Hey, thanks for listening to Replayable, a podcast where we talk about current media within a game concept. Beware, there will be spoilers ahead. Midnight Library, written by Matt Haig and published by Audible, released in 2020. And uh, yeah, as there'll be spoilers ahead regarding the story, Matt Haig wrote Nora, is an everyday person who's been down on her luck. I would say that she's somewhat of a like functionally depressed individual. She sees very few options that her current life is given her. And she's at, I guess, her wit's end. But within that, coming to like her wit's end, she finds this reprieve in between life and death at this the Midlight Library. Yeah, which I guess poses the questions that kind of spark her to finding value within her own life. And I thought it was, for me, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed the sentiment. I thought the how he went about it was very on point and it's very positive in the sense of, I think whenever every individual sort of looks at their life, maybe at times they're like, oh, this isn't going so well, or I'm very not happy with certain things. But I think it is keen to always know that sometimes life isn't always going to be super positive and super up. But I think it is up to the individual to continue to find purpose and curiosity. And it's not to, I would say it's not to dumb down the situations that they're going through, but it's always that life challenge of here I am now, what would make life more interesting? What would, what do I have to do as a person? How do I have to grow as an individual to create something that I guess I would enjoy more or that would bring more value to my life? Jennifer, if you had any thoughts on the tone of the book. Yeah, I really enjoyed this sense of limbo. I felt it was a very digestible form of existentialism, but I did want to put a disclaimer for anyone who's listening to this. If you are having thoughts of suicide or depression, please reach out to a family or friend or a hotline. We are diving into a pretty serious subject, but for the average reader, I think this book is quite digestible. I actually took a philosophy course, so Nora Seed is, she has her master's in philosophy, which is interesting because my brother also does. So I'm very familiar with a lot of the names she mentioned, but I was actually hoping she would explain more of those ideologies in throughout the book. Because one thing that I really enjoyed with existentialism was how it explains the meaning of life and who you are and, and why we do the things we do. And a bit of that felt missing. And if I can give you a bit of a philosophy 101 lecture, existentialism actually is Latin for to stand out, which means to exist as a human, you have to stand out from the crowd. And these are themes that are seen in Nietzsche, who she mentions, as well as Kierkegaard, who I don't think she mentioned as much. But I just felt like in so many ways, she was following this idea of her regrets. And don't let, okay, First off, if anyone says, I have no regrets, that is a lie. That's an absolute lie. Have you ever met someone like that? Do you know what I mean? Zach got no regrets or he died without regrets. No. Yeah, Yeah, it's like highly unlikely for sure. But I just like the idea of like, in a way, learning from your mistakes, or I think there's there's a quote I have here is undoing regrets equal this granting of wishes. So in a lot of ways, learning more about your life through philosophy that she would have so 
known so much of was a bit missing, but like I said, it's existentialism light over here. But I had a little fun fact. Also, Nietzsche, who she mentions often, he is the famous quote is, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Get that. So I, I really did enjoy this element of exploring yourself, learning more about yourself, it, almost in a way, facing your regrets, learning from that, moving forward. That is very much a driving force for her especially in the beginning, is tackling these regrets. So I just thought it was an interesting approach to discussing what I think we all go through. What if? And having yeah. it not be, I don't know, I like, I'm quite agnostic. So I, I don't necessarily believe in God, but I believe in something bigger. And I remember talking to my grandfather before he passed. And I was like, what do you believe in? He said, I believe that in the afterlife will be whatever you want it to be. And I think that's such a beautiful way of putting it because across religions, across ideologies, there's some comfort in that. And I really mm -hmm. like the idea of this library where it takes the pressure off your shoulders of wondering what if you do get this opportunity to have all the answers to all the questions of the universe in an afterlife, in a sense, which is something that being agnostic kind of was comforting. Mm -hmm. Like this interesting world and this interesting take. Which is, of course, Matt Haig is what he's known for. Another thing that's on my reading list by him is humans, mm -hmm. which is where it's the alien perspective on human life. Oh. But just the idea of seeing ourselves in a different way and exploring it in this different way, I, I really enjoyed. So I like those sort of take on mm -hmm. reality and, and the afterlife. But I felt like we could have touched way more into philosophy and existentialism as a way of explaining that, which felt a little lost. Yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot of elements that take place, and especially in such a short, I guess, a short book. It was only how many pages? Like 200? Am I wrong? I think it was around 300. 300. Okay. Okay. What did you think, Amanda? I really enjoyed the book. I don't have a background in philosophy at all. I got all my philosophy lessons from The Good Place. I actually, I didn't really feel like it was lacking in that department, but that's because it wasn't what I was craving but i can definitely see what you mean because you're right she, they mentioned that she has a background in philosophy and every once in a while she might name drop a philosopher but doesn't really go into it um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of name dropping but i'm like no explain how that is so relevant to the situation because for someone who is so known for philosophy she never used any, I don't know. I don't, she mentioned Henry David Thoreau a lot. I've never read him. I don't know. But like just the idea of not following the crowd and it always felt like she was getting stuck into that and falling into that. So I just, I don't know. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't supposed to be part, we can only guess what Matt Haig intended, but maybe it was never an intention to be philosophical. Maybe it was just supposed to be a part of her character. I have no idea. I really enjoyed the book. I think what is really interesting about it, I guess just some background, because I don't know if we really mentioned what happens. So she takes her own life and uh, ends up in this library where she sees Mrs. Elm, who is really just an avatar of somebody that she trusted and respected in her youth. And this Mrs. Elm, who is the librarian at the Midnight Library, has a book of regrets that she can look through see what her regrets are, and then pick books, which are lives, where she made different choices. Mm -hmm. And what I find interesting is even though as she's going through her list of regrets and she's finding these lives, like there's some lives that you know, she goes through, they're not good. They're worse, maybe even. 
or just not what she wants. But then she finds ones where you could say everything went really well for her. And yet she still in the end didn't want it. And I thought about that because there's one life that she gives up where I was like, man, why did you give up that one? That one sounded great. (laughs) And I think it came down to that she isn't that Nora. That's not her. She didn't make those choices. At least that's the that's the impression I got from it, because she would show up in a life. She would have no idea. She would have no memories of what happened before in that life. She has her memories as Nora from her original life, but she doesn't have the memories of the Nora that she stepped into. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's not like she's assuming this person's life without having any of their background. It's almost like, why would you want that? Yeah, like it is definitely, I guess the one thing that kind of stuck out was even though the lives that she was perusing to find where she fit within like the equilibrium of it, I found that it was almost the, all the lives that she was involved with were ones that other people had heavy influences on her choices as you Mm. going back to your your point where it was like they weren't her lives and it's they weren't really all the lives that she was involved with were i think one she was like an olympic swimmer her dad really pushed her to be an olympic swimmer and then she was in this uh musical band it was the drive of almost i think correct me if i'm wrong she's looking for some sort of attention from her parents to show that she could be great And then that almost drove, I guess it really drove her brother away, who actually ended up, I think he ended up passing or maybe taking his own life as well. So it was all these sort of lives that she was involved with, but none of them were really almost like inherently core her lives, even the good life that she, yeah, like I was, okay, this is it. She's going to be, this is like her, where she's going to stay. But she ended up leaving that one as well, because she saw that. I think that the boy that she was tutoring piano ended up going off the rails and became like a criminal. It was almost like the butterfly effect where it was like things that she was doing, she was also undoing because she wasn't there and she wanted to live this like perfect life, but it was almost, she wasn't almost the mastermind of it, which would make it alien to her. And there's always this element of paradox as well, because we're always going to wonder what if, even in the life where she was the Olympic swimmer, there's still this what if I followed my own dreams or I stayed with that boy. But then when you stayed with that boy, you made sacrifices that you wonder what if I hadn't. And I think that's always the paradox of it, is that any life you choose, any decision you make, there will always be this what if. And it's just because she's had this omnipotent ability that she still isn't satisfied because I don't know why. Yeah, you're saying, Amanda, like where it's, that's not her. Those aren't the choices she made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. I guess in a way it's saying that your any choice you make might not be wrong or right, just a choice. Mm-hmm. And it might not have a good outcome. It might not have a bad outcome. It might, you don't know how that choice will affect others. But in the end, I think what she determined was important is that it was a choice that she made herself. And that it wasn't too late. In yeah. A way. yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. if those decisions were made, there's still always the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, did you guys see the ending coming? Did you think that's how it was going to end? 100%. Her going back into her own life? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Because also then... Okay, I didn't want to get too much into parallel universe and time theory and string theory or whatever. But then 
when technically all those versions of Nora end up in some form of a midnight library and what is stopping them from going to her life? And then I don't know, but I think it's, we all have our own place and we run our own stories. And I think it's, you have to live your life. And I think that was the best way in my mind to end it. But I'd be curious if you were thinking of alternatives. Jump into the book of regrets. Did you think it was going to end that way? I, I felt like it would, if Matt's like tackling this issue of finding value within your own life, I think that it might not be sending a good sentiment considering he's dealing with maybe like a particular kind of like subject matter. I thought that as soon as she, because she was in the good life, and I think at that point when she came across the boy that she was teaching piano, I was like, no, nah, this isn't it. This yeah. isn't it. And I felt like at that point, she's, it's almost like that your test is you. You've seen all the things that you're able to do when it's, you have almost a value or like a curiosity that you're in pursuit of. And maybe in her life, the library was the, guess what? You have it here too. You're just not invested in it because you think something else would be better. And it's, we can show you all this stuff, but when you see the impact that you had on somebody else's life, that's the trigger. That's the, hey, I was actually in the midst of doing a lot of things in my own life, and even though it wasn't wonderful at certain points, to give up, I think, is the giving the wrong perspective because like i think if she ends up in like the happy life i was always thinking like what would happen to the person that was there and i'm like that would be weird it's almost like you're it's you but then that person is almost displaced and goes where so again that like string theory potential is where does this person go it's like i've been kicked out of my own life and i'm just sort of like this drifter you like know? the idea is that she's the same person but she's not yeah that's a good question they did say that eventually she wouldn't even remember the midnight library and she wouldn't even Mm -hmm. remember her old life it would just be like a weird dream Mm -hmm. and we never really saw her get that far in any life because obviously she was dissatisfied in all of them and i also don't like the idea of saying that there is just like the one good life what does that mean and what does that look like because in a lot of ways What I loved about one of my favorite elements of the book was this shifting element physically Mm. in the building from just even miscounting the windows to her shifting regrets. And you learn so much from those mistakes you make. And I think that's so important. So the idea that like this was her perfect life, I feel like still is incomplete without Mm -hmm. some of those regrets. And I just, I don't think the sentiment of there being the one masterful be all end all would be the message that I would want to give off as well. Because in a way, she's like the underdog. She's like the underdog of her own life. And it's, you know, like the underdog figures out, you got grit. You got to find it. You got to, you miss something. You got to figure it out. And the thing that she was missing and didn't figure out is almost like her own choices and her own kind of value system. And I think... Maybe in a way, even though she was a philosopher and she had access to all those ideologies, I tend to believe like everybody's almost like life purpose is something that they have to figure out. It's you can't have overlying my life purpose is this and you should just do my life purpose. And it gets weird. I got to find my own because I'm the one who ultimately has to be curious and invest in it. 
And I think I just, yeah, even though she knew all of those kind of like framing points, they still didn't help her because it was her who had to almost unlock that seed within herself to come to a different understanding. I think that was the main one element, that understanding element that she had to discover. I thought one thing that was interesting was the fact, or what I guess was the part when she came across the other kind of like drifter Mm. when she was in the Arctic. I was like, what? I thought that was interesting because it's like, he's been doing it so much. And I forget his name. Hugo. But Hugo, yes. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool because he recognized her for who she was actually based on like her mannerisms and things like this, because he's been doing it so long himself. I, I thought that was pretty cool. And the fact that you seem to run it, run into the same people all your life, because mm-hmm. he, he even said he's I've like run into you before and some lives we were lovers. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a pickup line. <laughs> you know what? That could have been a pick. That's a great pickup line. <laughs> a slider hey. pickup line right there. Yeah. <laughs> slider. Yes. I thought he was the turning point. I thought he was this moment where this moment of doubt started to creep in if this is really the best thing, sliding into all these lies. Because he was like, I've been a Nobel Prize winner. I've almost been an astronaut, but still not finding his place in the world and still feeling lost. Because when you're trying to be something you're not and you're trying to be someone you're not happy, you're not satisfied. So I think that was the moment for me when I was like, oh, she's going to have to go back to her own life because she'll always feel like an imposter in some way. So that's what Hugo meant to me was that early stages of doubt creeping in to this idea of a perfect world. Definitely. Yeah, you see him come in and he's like, yeah, I've been doing this so long. For her, I guess that's definitely as well when she realized like, oh my God, (laughs) if he can't find his life, what is there for me? And I think. If I remember correctly, that might be when the library started to almost hit midnight. But didn't she like jump into three other lives after that? More she or went less? into a lot. I think that also <laughs> is what pushed her to explore more and just take in as much as possible. I thought that it was interesting when you're crafting a story and whatnot. It was almost the, because you always have to have a protagonist and antagonist. But I thought the her everyday mundane existence in her own life as she perceived it to be was a very good antagonist. And it wasn't any individual in particular because she was in search of her understanding, but it was like her life itself was just kind of like a drag. People around her, who are you? In a way, because she was not really holding true to some of the things that she had to do, or she just had this demeanor of her being like very sour or like sad and even being fired from her job because, well, you look like you're never happy and it's just hard to have you in this atmosphere selling whatever i have to let you go it's crazy it's it's really i guess you could say maybe in a way it was her but then also i think to push the the story forward to have the world being like almost a character within itself like her Um, running away from herself yeah or, or the contrast of the environment being almost a character because it's like it's so downturned based upon the choices that she made and her running away from those choices but it was almost like the further push the furthering push to propel the story i thought that was interesting yeah i guess i did the library it's almost like that center point in a way where you came back to almost like this hub of i guess maybe it's 
a poor analogy, but I always think of it's, I guess you go out and you do these things and you come back to almost like a base area where figuring things out and then you go back out to the world and do these things and you come back. I see, I know that metaphor has been used in like a medley of things. Uh, one it was used in was like Star Wars, like a cantina. Mm-hmm. It was like all of these variety of people are there, but they've all gone out to do something, but then they all end up back at this cantina trading stories. I know that wasn't as deep an element in that movie, but I thought that's how I viewed the library. It was like she's traversing all these life elements and then she's coming back to, I apologize, I'm forgetting her name. Mrs. Elm. Yes. Yeah. And what did you learn? What was the life about? And then there's that discussion and then off to the next book. So I thought that was interesting. Where it was almost like at first it was at whim and then there was a lot of intention and then there was the, I don't want to die, but then it was the, you don't want to die for what? And then it was, I don't want to die because she was, those lives were pushing her towards that understanding, but she still had to relay what almost like she knew to almost that avatar to help clear away her own misconceptions of what she was there and what she was doing. I thought that was neat. And regain her own autonomy. I think there was a lot where she felt like she couldn't Mm -hmm. make any more decisions anymore. There was just nothing left anymore. But she discovered that there was so many choices. And I like this idea of a player base. No? Time? Is it time for segue time? It feels like a Amanda, good Amanda has been itching this entire time to gamify. She pretty much oh my God, have was I... like, I can feel it. When, I felt like when the geese flew by, they were like, time, time, time. Okay, I heard the geese weren't imaginary geese. I was like, oh, somebody's in danger. Imminent danger. Darian, add in a goose effect here. You know what that means. The goose time means game time. Um, the geese have come. But yeah, that the library was an amazing location all i could think about maybe because i played it recently was control when the Mm. whole building is changing but you're not fully aware of it the first time and i'm not gonna lie i've already told amanda this no shame when i play control for the first time you walk through and it starts to change behind you so if you look back it's different there's a hallway you walk down is gone now so you're like how did i even get here i thought it was a bug so i actually restarted my game To make sure I didn't miss anything. And and then I realized, oh, no, it's a shifting building, which is amazing because I think there's Mm -hmm. so much subconscious in your mind that plays with that, too. But definitely want an environment that changes on you constantly, that it feels like every time you go to it, it's changing based off of yourself and your understanding of it and and more places open up and less places open up. And I think that's a great way to even set levels of difficulty is by having that shifting environment. So that was, I was very excited about that. And so now what I thought of, and also control is great. And I'm really happy that you're playing it or have played I know, You've it. influenced me, I know. Amanda. Is your, is your recommendation? I basically show up at people's doors and I'm like, have you heard about control? Oh, and um, life is strange. I actually, my mom wants to play video games more. She's never been interested. And I, I gave her life is strange to start. I thought it would be a good one because she loves mysteries and stuff and like making choices. So another Amanda win right there. Amazing. I'm just going to get your whole family. Who's next? <laughs> Let, me Adam. Adam. Let me add them. So I, when I read this book and the reason why I recommended it is because before the, when this podcast was still like a twinkle in Darian's eye, I read this book <laughs> and I, I immediately thought, man, 
I could make a cool UI for this. So that's actually why I thought of it, because I was like, hey, I have a book that I just accidentally tried to gamify. For me, what I thought of was something like, have either of you played Outer Wilds yet? Yes, I mentioned it in a previous episode, I think. So I'm, I'm glad you can dive into it a bit more. Yes, actually, I haven't played it entirely, but I played it enough to know what the premise is. And I thought about what if this game weren't linear? What if there was a hub and you had a certain amount of time that you got to spend in each life in this case? And when that time was up, you were back at the hub, but you learned a little bit more from that new life. And you could pick other books and there's not any particular order. Or maybe like when you're in a life, you might unlock a regret that would open up a new book, but you still have all these other books you can pick from. So you can decide to go to the new life or you can go to the ones that you've already had. But you can never, but that's one of the things though, is that you can never go back to a life you've already been to. So what if it was just this? And that would fit into your idea of change, Jennifer, like with being able to unlock new lives, new areas in a sense. Yeah. And maybe you, maybe there's some areas that you never unlock. Maybe this game has just all these different variables and sometimes you can hit them all. Sometimes you might not hit all of them, but that's okay because you can play it again and get them next time. Disco Elysium, you're not going to get everything in one playthrough it's impossible because of the stats so i definitely i guess how i pictured it as well wasn't linear it was open world in a sense of the cast of people that you have around you in the beginning you open a book and then it's almost like in a slightly different variant of where you are but the cast of people are in different maybe roles or positions Mm. and it's you're like hey i remember you were the jerk from the whatever but then it's working like a different job but maybe as you're going through, you're realizing that when you're when you weren't in your previous life making those choices, the influence of where these people went and what they did with their lives has led them to making they're in the same kind of area. Maybe not, but some of them are based off you not being there in the previous run of let's say the game. And I thought that would be cool because then it's almost there's that familiar unfamiliar kind of situation and then i guess for me i was thinking like because it was a big thing of like where she had to remember and she comes to this life like okay who am i married to oh i got a kid now and my cat's dead so she has to pick up all these things so that when she starts conversations with other people they actually almost like don't draw ire or like odd attention to certain things <laughs> yeah exactly and it's maybe If it is like you're picking a new book, it's okay, you're in this place. But then maybe you have to sneak around a little bit and read some of, okay, cool. All right, I work here. My last name is this. And it's almost like you have to investigate who you are in the new place that you're in, in in like your life. So that when you have conversations with people, it's you're on the same page as they are. Whereas instead it could be like, oh, I don't remember. And they're like, oh, you don't remember. Why don't you remember? Are you Okay. And that could maybe be like the stamina bar for your character. And it's like the more incorrect things that you get, the sooner you grow that regret and maybe brings you back to the library where it's you have to, again, go to a place, investigate it a little bit more, and then try to adhere to it. But then I think eventually there's only so far that you could go 
but there's things that you could learn and unlock and understand. And But it's almost like that imminent thing of, okay, the stamina bar is done. And then you go back, but then it's maybe you have a medley of these books are more about like this. You have these maybe swaths of like parts of the library unlock almost like a map where it's like, oh, you oh know. yeah, that'd be cool. I like yeah. the idea where you have to glean clues as to who you are. You're always Nora, but you don't know what. Okay, well, that's the other thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be about her, but say you're. So I don't know how deep we want to go. Are you, is this a um, quantum leap scenario where you leap into a completely different life? Jennifer, do you know quantum leap? It's a bit, oh, I'm sorry, I, I think you. Do either of you, do either of the show quantum leap? I know leap? quantum leap. Okay. Oh yes, I grew up on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a show. This is getting worse. <laughs> oh, goodness. We're dating ourselves yeah, right now. We're dating ourselves. <laughs> so quantum leap, he would, he, every episode, he would be in a new life, but it wasn't necessarily, he was always played by himself, but he might be like a lawyer who is a woman, or he might be like an old man. Like he was always different always a different character but like himself that makes sense so maybe it could be a situation like that where you actually have to figure out okay who am i okay i'm looking at this looks like my name is pamela all right i'm pamela okay i'm a baker uh, i don't know how to bake all right this is we're in trouble or it could be a sliders situation <laughs> do either of sliders sliders is it a show it is, is it? a tv show uh, and also what know. hugo was i like the idea of maybe having this these both of these options as a character mm -hmm. select in a sense of who you want to be do you want to be a Nora which is you reliving your own lives a bunch of time and maybe having a bit more of a butterfly effect where you could make those decisions earlier on that mm -hmm. led to having more options or do you want to be a Hugo character type where you can try on being a Nobel Prize winner or a synopsis of the show what oh sliders yeah so he the, in that one as Jerry O'Connell is that his name? And it also has, oh my God, now that I'm trying to remember their names, I can't remember any of their names. But it's got some big folks. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell, that's his name. And John Rice Davies, who is Gimli. Also in a lot of things too. But anyways, it's about this student and his instructor and like a couple, his friend and like another guy who gets tied into it. And they accidentally open up basically a wormhole to another dimension. And the world is always different. But quite, I think in the earlier seasons, they would find themselves in these alternate universes, mm -hmm. who, but was still like them. So it wasn't quantum leap in the sense that they were leaping into a new body. They were themselves going to new worlds. So more similar to what Nora and Hugo are doing, except instead of just the life being slightly different, the whole world was different. So they, I remember, okay, you have to remember that this is back in the 90s. So <laughs> some of these are, but there was one episode where the women were basically in the sort of masculine role. And so like the Rembrandt, he was a professional singer. He ends up getting like in a relationship with a producer who is a woman and she's just giving him the runaround the way, yeah, anyways. It dives into weird stuff like that. I know. This yeah. is starting to and sound like, more and more like a Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> it, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> dive into alternate world was, TV. Yeah, it is kind of like that with the, what was it? The Oh, jeez. Now I'm on the spot. Intergalactic yeah. stations. Yeah. Oh, I watch Rick and Morty, I promise. <gasps> now I'm dating myself. Oh, man, if I had known I was going to be talking about sliders today, I would have prepared. Because I love know. that series. <laughs> we're going to go. It's so bad, but so good. So yeah, so there's like these different 
sort of existing medias that sort of cover this idea of people sliding <laughs> into new lives. And mm -hmm. uh, I think there's lots of different ways that we could explore that. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, I think that medium, it's definitely challenging in regards to how you would approach it. But I think, yeah, that's totally would be I'm just trying to, my brain is trying to parallel almost like the visual and the how it would go down. But yeah, I don't think I've ever played a game like that. Like, I, and I grew up on Quantum Leap. Um, Quantum Leap, totally. <laughs> and I thought that was, it was such a different show because I think as well, it, there was empathy. It's like you had empathy for him because you liked him as like the scientist who's very smart. But then he was caught in these very, very difficult predicaments that made people question and think if you were this person in that other person's shoes, how would you react? What would you do? And I think that's one thing that really challenges. It almost includes the, the viewer player because it's like they can't just be so passive because the odds are, oh man, this person could be in trouble. And then if he dies, he's stuck or he dies there. Meanwhile, he could have, he has a life outside of this. Yeah. And I think also as well, it's with Hugo as almost putting like the, the game goggles on in a sense, he could be like essentially the person that you have to confront maybe in a way, defeat or something like this. And it's, you have to find this person regards maybe their choices and what they're doing and how they're affecting maybe things in a not so good way. And you have to almost like rectify those things. It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Deathloop is coming out and I'm very mm -hmm. excited oh. for it. And they have this feature that you play as one character. And I think once you beat it, uh, you unlock this ability to be this other character. So the main character is, has, I don't know, five people he has to kill. And there's this other killer uh, person that's trying to kill you. And it's constantly, you're stuck in this constant loop. And you learn more about the loop every time you do it. But so does this other person who's trying to hunt you down. So they're also just mm -hmm. as aware of what your targets are as you are. So I like this idea of having, if we want to do some sort of online multiplayer component as well, where you could be Nora and you could be automatically matched with Hugo, who's also trying to jump in and out of your lives, maybe trying to mess something up or trying to, I don't know, play jokes or try to get to know you better or maybe even throw you off your suspicion meter. Mm -hmm. But I like this idea of this online multiplayer component. And this might date our podcast, but I'm not sure when Deathloop will release in regards to this particular episode coming out. But I, I just love innovative ways of getting people connected through video games, especially online. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if we can incorporate these characters together in a way, yeah, I think that's awesome. Now, you've both mentioned open world concepts, and I always feel mm -hmm. like the person that's like, nah, open world, <laughs> but with that sound effect... I really wanted to experiment with this idea of a linear, nonlinear timeline. And mm -hmm. the closest example I could come up with to try to explain my idea is Beyond Two Souls. Okay. And in this timeline, you don't play the game in order of her life. You jump in and out of different periods of times. Like at one point you're homeless, but you have no idea the events that led you up to that moment. Another time you're like, practically a CIA agent and then you're like even questioning the homeless piece more and then you're a child and I really like this idea of having a touch base location like the library that opens mm -hmm. up 
these other options in a linear, nonlinear way so that you can learn more about yourself. So I know that in our library in the book, it really focused on her life from that moment on. But I was curious if we like thrusted the player into one of these alternate universes (laughs) and then they're being thrust into other points of her life that could open up more futures. So maybe there is a time when she was seven where she had to tell her dad, no, I don't want to do swimming lessons anymore. And when you got thrust into that, you didn't realize the impact that would have until it came up as a regret in the book, in the book of regrets. So I like this. I just, I like the idea of having a player base and then I don't know the technical term, but maybe having, I think it's like a hub open world where yes, it's linear in the sense that you can only access certain locations at certain times. But once you're in that location, there is a larger area that you can explore. But yeah, Mm -hmm. that was just a different idea that I wanted to take in terms of setting up the style of game because the butterfly effect, which is when you make a decision that branches out, didn't feel compatible to me in this environment because it's more about each of her decisions she made in those alternate lives were contained in this sort of hub world, these hub Mm -hmm. open worlds, we can call them. So how much her butterfly branched out would only be as long as she was in that world. So how can we expand this idea, give the player the choice, because this is their opportunity to try on a different hat and a pair of shoes. And that's where I had this idea of creating a linear, non-linear timeline. I do like that idea because it's, let's say, if you're playing with time, as almost like a, as an element, it would be like, yeah, you do something maybe out of order. I'm just trying to almost think of a point. So it'd be like, for just simplicity, I guess it'd be like you obviously come across like your nemesis later on in life. And then it would jump to the reason maybe why, maybe motive wise earlier on why this person became like your nemesis, because you had a, a disagreement And maybe in that, it being out of order, it's like you get all of the bits and pieces, which then complete the whole kind of like vista of the reasons why you're maybe doing the things that you're doing. And then obviously, I think maybe in a way you could have that morality, maybe spectrum where it's like, yeah, maybe I want to play as like a good guy or a bad guy. So then maybe later on, they end up being your friend because of something that you did earlier on that befriended them. But it's almost like, how does it start? My brain just can't think of, because if you're in, if you jump into this world and you're like doing things and then you go back to the library and to know that your life is essentially up to this point, let's say on... I would want to play it backwards. I think you would start with the suicide And then you would maybe go back to her cat dying and then you would go back to her mother dying and then you would go back to I love when a choice might feel insignificant and then it later was like, oh man, I should have kept swimming lessons. I could have gone that, man. But yeah, maybe in that way. But if we do want to, you're saying an enemy, which all I can think of is Hugo now, even though I know we didn't call him an antagonist earlier. What if he's trying to convince you to stay in the Midnight Library and you don't want that in, in a weird way? No. Yeah. Or you him to stick in a life with you, in that good life with you. He doesn't want to. And it's constant like this pull. Mm-hmm. It's you're like chasing this person to sort of you're having parts of conversations or like lives with this person, but then it's always like traversing into you can't keep up or they leave and then you have to find them again. And yeah. Yeah, it, it it's really cool because then like the narration of like how that would unveil, you could have some very like, you know, powerful points that 
yeah, maybe inform the player, the viewer of certain choices that you've made to make things come together, make things more compatible. It actually reminds me of the movie Looper, oh. where, yeah, like with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yeah. And it's this sort of a linear, non-linear scenario where he's jumping forward and like trying to negate what he was, but then ends up that the criminal sort of hub end up coming after him and taking everything away from him. And then he turns into this person that he never thought he would be. And then it's, he sees almost like the crescendo of how all this thing happens. And then he sees that, Oh, I got to take myself out of the picture so that this picture does not complete itself or loop forever. And it's almost like he sees the loop as it is. And that's, I guess, the paradox of being out of it, but in it at the same time. Yeah, that stuff, when you, when the character essentially you see as, oh, this guy's totally a dope character. And then maybe you see them turning negative. You're just like, man, like you can see all of that take place and the reasons in which it came about, which I thought was, is interesting. And same with your story too, where it's Hugo, it's, you're trying to, maybe this person is your, maybe this person is the person who affected you, which then made you kill yourself. But then now you're chasing this person because he's affecting other people in the same way. And it's no, you're like trying to track them down to see why they're doing what they're doing. And then eventually, maybe once you convince him, he goes back to his life. And then you see the reasons why he is the way he is, almost like unveiling the villain in the avenue of the reasons why they, they do the things that they do. And that could have a very powerful kind of impact because it's like if you seed it the right way in regards to how you unveil almost like the character's motives, yeah, that, that could be wild. That could be really Yeah, wild. not all sliders are good. Some of them just want to see the world burn. And these are other yeah. lives that you invest in. And these are people mm -hmm. that you also like. And it might be hard for you to leave a life unless you leave it better than you found yeah, it. Yeah, totally. But what's what I'm wondering, sorry, is just now how do you how do you complete each life? What is the goal of each life? Is it to decide, do we leave a choice to the player? Do we say, you can choose to stay in any of these lives, but you won't get to see the next one? Is that a way to keep them going? Is yeah, it... like you have maybe 24 hours of like real human time, and you mm -hmm. can choose to like exit any of them at any point. But yeah, depending, yeah, having some sort of time element, I think definitely, or mentioned before, like a suspicious meter. But I definitely think, a, a sort of push and movement has to be done, whether it is a time limit per life or if we want to have some bank time. Or maybe it could be the actions that you do. So I know some games, Disco Elysium, for example, every <laughs> time doesn't like if you're just exploring, if you're walking around, time doesn't move. But if you now have an interaction with someone or something, then the clock starts to move. So maybe mm -hmm. if we want to have a sort of time limit, it could be like you actually only get a certain amount of actions that you can do. Perhaps that could be a way to do it. Because the thing is about the Midnight Library is that there is an unknown amount of time that she has in there. And so there is a little bit of pressure for her to choose. There's yeah. And, and you, she doesn't know how long. She has until she feels like it in a way because I think the way they describe it is when you've given up on life, that's when the clock will move and, and what there is it's like yeah. when it kicks you out yeah. is that what you mean yeah so basically when the library clock hit midnight 
1201, I believe that means that she was well and truly dead and she could no mm-hmm. longer go through the lives anymore. She would just be dead. So do we want a time limit like that? It would help with the level of difficulty as well, because we could allow a sort of tutorial phase where the player is being introduced to the ideas and how to interact with the interface, where there is no time limit or there is no amount of choices you have. Choices being, in a sense, a resource that you could potentially gather or store. And then when you see a life that's not worth using a resource on, you, you preserve it. But yeah, depending on the level of difficulty you want to force on the player, that could be an option of how much they get of that. I guess I could also see in my mind when you brought up the almost like a map in a way and a map of the library and all these lives you could live. What if Hugo is like the one who's closing off some of the books that you can't pick? So maybe that's there's like the suspicion meter once you're in game doing these actions, trying to figure out what's going on. And then once you reach that level of uh, like you don't feel like you can live that life and you go back. But then you begin to see like maybe the books, well, you can't pick that book because there's something like almost maybe against you in a way. Yeah. Maybe the, that whole avenue at the end where like the library is on fire, which limits options. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure how that or would work. Or even just part of the library just already deteriorating and collapsing because mm-hmm. of its shifting movement based off of the choices you've made or what you choose to experience. And even... When I was thinking about the linear, nonlinear timeline, it could even be a spectrum of like fame or wealth. And then you can gauge where you are in your possible fantasies through engaging with that timeline as you're jumping into a new life. Like that could be another way of, and you can only have so many skill points required the more famous ones then, or the more wealthy ones or the better ones. Well, that's interesting. Like they have a cost. I was thinking of The Sims. Oh, there was a version of The Sims where you only had so many skill points to be like funny, witty, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to do a trial period where it'll be like, oh, it's a talent show. Do you jump on stage or do you sit in the audience? But based off of those decisions, actually proved your skill points or not. So I said I wasn't very talented, but I was like, I'm going to jump on stage. And then it was like, you've made a fool of yourself. And then I, I got less skill points at the end. It was some it was some system like that, playing with that idea of I don't know. So it's almost like opportunities in which present themselves in the world, which is where you can level up and then maybe apply those level ups to other parts of your character so that you have more opportunities in the world to garner more resources to keep getting points and whatnot. That's I like that. That's cool. I think my idea starts getting complicated, though, because Mm -hmm. I want to jump out more than just that moment at midnight. I feel like to open it up to the player to earlier points of her life, which is really all of what's built up to this library, what's even created this library, was all the choices she made before that she may regret or not, or realize was even an option. Like She wouldn't have thought about being a swimmer if that wasn't an option that was presented to her earlier. Same with even being a singer. And I'm sure there's way more options in her life that she never even thought possible because they were never presented in her life. But we're probably also are, are but we're probably also in the library. So I think that's where I shift my thinking is having the player open up to earlier stages of her life to then have it all play out in the library. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because they wouldn't think of picking the swimming one if that option wasn't available to them in the tutorial phase, which would be leading up to the suicide. That's true. 
So it's almost like a core book. So you have to like hunt it down. You have to read the spines. You have to look for the ones you want. Which from a game development perspective, I, I'd be curious to see how many books uh, a studio felt like they could produce. Yeah, that's a really good point Before too. Like how many levels could you actually, obviously there would be a finite. It have to be. We can't procedurally generate lives. Can we? Yeah, that's the tech hasn't been. Uh, it'd be cool. It, you can procedurally generate a lot of stuff. No it'd be like Sky. gobbledygook. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> just have an AI yeah. create them. Just it gets pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. No, it would be. Yeah, that I guess has yet to be evolved. But I do know. I think uh, Disney uses AI to establish some story arcs or whatnot. I think there's like experimental tech that that they're using for some cinematic aspects. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's I crazy. I should that up. Yeah. yeah, I will double check my sources uh, if I include that part in it, but I probably will. But I thought that was interesting. I thought that those like elements are in play. But yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to agree that you're right, that we do need some context on these decisions. If without <laughs> the context, why do we even care that she quit swimming? So for example, so yeah, anyways, continue. How would you guys see boss fight go down oh, do you guys shadow see cell. that's like a little bit what i was thinking sorry go ahead i guess i don't really see a boss fight because i don't really see there being an antagonist per se mm -hmm. i guess time itself that could be that yeah that could be the essential element that you are pitted up against always yeah i guess for me my brain was going more so into the realm of if it's you versus you to a degree when it comes to the choices that you're making, it would be maybe maybe nixing the, the Hugo element altogether and bring it back to like maybe something that could be a little bit more impactful. Like how do we yeah. get the player to their final decision in a way? Do we want them? Do we do we want this to be a full, wholly rounded story where they end up with the same decision that Nora made? In the end, or? I guess I think I look at it in a sense of you're challenging the decision that she made to almost end her end her life. And you're tracking down maybe that part of you that feels that somehow is a way that thought that was a good idea. Mm. And it's almost like you're maybe challenging that person's or that perspective's maybe authenticity in regards to the reasons why they're doing what they're doing instead of maybe investing in more elements revolving around characters' core values, the reasons why you should keep. It's almost like you have to come to a point where you have maybe these understandings. Again, I'm not sure how it would play out, but in regards to that self, to almost have them be like, I do want to live. Like this is like us, me thinking in it such a negative way and like thinking that life is over and it's in all the choices that you've made. It's you've seen the value in regards to maybe the individual's lives that you've helped and you're trying to essentially, maybe you already have the understanding and you're just trying to stop them from doing that. And maybe it's, maybe it is like you could have this crescendo of, where you're trying to track them through these lives. And then it's, you're just, you're in the same, you're both in the same life. And maybe it's much more of a, a real surreal element because it is, there's a lot on the line 
And maybe it would be like, because you're both in your, this life, maybe it's amplified where I, I guess I'm thinking actually along the lines of control where it would be like somebody could, if you're chasing somebody could throw or push like maybe a bus in your path, like the things, because it's, you're trying to track this person down to eventually have that one, have that face to face where maybe that transfer is more of like an understanding because it is you versus you, but it is you coming to the level of accepting you. The whole, it was like one point that sort of exterior is like one kind of element of you, but then it's, you have this other part. And then until you become whole, that's when you have the understanding. And then maybe you're like, I want to, this is why we should live. I that's like how I play out. The shadow self, chic Zelda alternative, and maybe being trying to make it so where the depression of your first life doesn't seep into these other lives and having to control and may manage your own self in that capacity. But Another take on it as well is, Amanda, you mentioned like, how do we end it? And that's a question I've, I have every time we approach something like this. What makes a good ending and how do we end it? I Have you ever heard of The Longing? No. It is known as the longest video game. It takes 400 days to play. Oh, my God. you oh. walk at a snail's pace. You play as a shade and there are a few different ways you can you can wait for the 400 days where the king awakens so he just says i'm going to sleep for 400 days chill out or something like that and you can choose to wait those 400 days of real time or you can discover alternative ways out and one of the alternative ways out spoiler alert to whoever is going to play it you can walk into this darkness and halfway through walking through the darkness you see another pair of eyes and i think it scares you and you run back and until the character learns to close their eyes, they can't pass that other creature. And I was wondering is if her real life is also a book similar to the Book of Regrets. It's not going to be green or gray. It will be blue. I don't know. And she, you always have the option to open that book up the entire time. It is always the option. But until you have that courage to open the book or even if you do open the book maybe you'll already see you don't have enough courage to go back to that life that it will always cut you out too quick or it would might give you hints as to a, a better thing you could have done so mm -hmm. until you've experienced so many things and perhaps on a variety you'll never feel satisfied or you'll never have the courage to really dive back in but it will be once you have the courage and once you're the Zelda or the chic of your Zelda, can you jump back into to your life equipped with all the information you've learned along the journey that's somewhat prescribed through my linear, nonlinear yeah. every time I said that. <laughs> no, I like that a lot. Even if it like presented you with a sort of false ending, how near Automata has all those weird endings. Well, I don't know if you, mm -hmm. but it has a bunch of different variety of endings, but there's only four true endings However, there are ways that you can get these like quirky endings, like you take out your operating system and die is one of them. And it's like a fake ending. And then they're just like, oh, you unlocked ending G. And then it just restarts you where you oh, left yeah, off. Oh, yeah, we need to do that. <laughs> so it could be like a false, like we could say like either they, you open the book and it's, nope, you're not ready yet. And then you force the character to close the book or it's you go back to your life, nothing has changed and you die in a week i don't know 
maybe not. That's pretty grim. But like we could offer these as that. That is an ending. It's not a good one, but you can <laughs> certainly take it. Yeah, but like maybe it could be black and white. And then the more you learn about yourself, the more color is added back into your real life. So oh. then until you have a complete painting, that's mm. when you know. Like you have to arm the player with information on when you're ready. And I think that might be an option. Yeah. Play with color. Good. We could warn them, be like, you might not be ready for this yet. Do you proceed? And I'm not going to lie. It's a little weird. I had that for Moral Phoenix Rising. They were like, just letting you know, after this, you can't play the game anymore. And I was like, oh, well, wait a second here. Wait a second. What? I, I haven't I do had like, an official error message warning. <laughs> I do like it when they warn you before you reach the point of no returns. So that could be, yeah, if you open that book and proceed, that's your point of no returns. Or even and Mrs. You could do could it remind at you. time. Oh, yeah. Good point. Do you think you're ready? Do you think you're ready? And then finally, she'll be like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it would be interesting if you you go back into that life and then maybe see, I guess you'd still have access to all those relationships. In a way, I look at it like Groundhog Day, where it was mm, like yeah. Bill Murray like reliving this thing, even though it is he's not living different lives. He's reliving the same day, but he was a dick. And it's like him being such a dick, it's almost like he had to come to terms with not being a dick and it's to see the value of life. And it's he almost is trying to put together the best day of his life and to be happy with like his life. And he hits all these objectives. And then it's he wakes up the next day and it's, oh my God, it's the next day. Mm -hmm. And it's like all these relationships, all these people that he's helped through the previous things because he replayed it, replayed it, replayed it. And this person would have broken his back and gone to the hospital. This person would have choked and died in the at dinner. This person would have lost their job because they didn't have a piano player. All these parts that he played and got good at and essentially became the best version of himself to then when the next sort of day came, he was a better version of himself to take on the rest of his life, mm. which is, yeah, I guess I, I could see it hem into to the sort of gameplay at the end when it's like, oh man, I've did all these things and I learned all these, I have all these understandings or maybe like these relationships that you have helped and then you go back to your original life and it's maybe things about people that they didn't quite know about themselves and you're, hey, you know what, blah, 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 is going to happen, but you're going to be okay. Or this happened and guess what? You can do this and this. It's, you already have a foreseeing knowledge when you're having those connections with those individuals in this real world when you go back to it. We did see that too with her brother and he's, oh, I've met someone at the gym. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, stay up, stay up, I have a feeling, a weird, weird feeling. But yeah, then again, yeah, having maybe that one final chapter where you can let that life live out and based off of the experiences that you chose to do, you would have mm -hmm. that information and the knowledge to essentially get the best ending or ending G as Amanda likes to call it. Yes. Ending good. <laughs> ending, yeah. ending A. Yeah. 
Yeah, I really, I did really like this book. I think it really, it exposed me to different narration in regards to how Nora Seed had to deal with certain elements. And I did really like the the crescendo in regards to how she came to see value in her own life. And that is always like a moment I really enjoy in games or really, or any type of media. It's like that underdog scenario where it's you get it now, or you always had it, but then you just had to almost challenge yourself to get or level up that understanding. Yeah, I thought in regards to the seriousness of the topic, I thought that he handled it quite well. And I thought it was a very good read overall. I Yeah, thank you so much for recommending that book, Amanda. That was, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was really great. No problem. Yeah. I, I didn't um, want to say this, but my mom's retiring in a few weeks and she's like, I need a book. And I was like, I've got the book for you. Oh, that's so great. Man, I'm just going to recommend all the media for your family. (laughs) Oh, geez. Yeah. But yeah, just ways of thinking, just better ways of thinking, right? If something is going to happen to me, I want to be there for it. And Mm -hmm. I just hope everyone walks away learning a bit more about themselves and and not being afraid of making a mistake because you'll get the opportunity to replay it in the Midnight Library. That was a good. I can hear Darian rolling his eyes. 